Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman, and I am your host, as always. And this week, it's episode 251, and I am joined by my very good friend, Linda Roble, for Board Game Week. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. How about you? Doing all right. It's very early in the morning because somehow this week's uh, events conspired upon us to have to wake up early. You didn't actually have to wake up early. You were already up. No, nope. for me, I've been up for an hour and a half. <laughs> you're, I know you're because well, you're a responsible adult and that's OK. So it is board game week. Specifically, we're going to take a moment this week to focus on tabletop role playing games because we've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for a very long time, but there are some non Dungeons and Dragons related content that we wanted to talk about in regards to some new tabletop games that are going to be coming out. And also some uh, neat stuff that's on Kickstarter now that we wanted to talk about. And then uh, you and I really kind of came to the conclusion within the last couple of days that it would be a good idea to really talk about roll 20, which is a service that existed before the Fire Nation attacking, and we were all aware of it. But a lot more people are using it now. And I think realistically, there has never been a better time to learn this service to get your games kind of going or start new ones. And we talked about it even last night that even when the world returns to quote unquote normal, we're probably still going to keep playing using Roll20 instead of depending on meeting in person because getting all your all our families together requires literally moving heaven and earth sometimes because we have an army of children. And this is just way easier for a bunch of us to be able to play at kind of at a moment's notice without having to book an entire day to do it. So we're going to talk about some of the lessons we have learned and because we have, man, have we had some growing pains and yes, we have, we have trouble shot a bunch. And I, as the dungeon master have, cause go figure I'm the dungeon master in our group and I have learned a lot. And so we, and you are a player. And so you're learning a lot about how it works to play from that perspective. So we're going to share some of that collective wisdom with you guys. So uh, if you are not interested in tabletop role-playing games, well, then I'll, uh, I'll see you next week. But I, I have a feeling that we'll have some interesting stuff and we're going to have some funny anecdotes. And obviously, you know, Linda's going to sass me a little bit. So it'll be fine Just for everybody. Just a little. So first, let's let's go around the horn because this is not tabletop role-playing game related. But you and I have finally been able to get some new board games to the table that we haven't talked about before. Okay. So why don't you talk about over under ostrich? Sure. So right now we are in the middle of doing a photo challenge. So I have pulled apart my game cabinet to do photos for our challenge. And one of the games that I pulled out of the cabinet was over under ostrich. It's one that I had seen for the first time a whole year ago at the Boston Festival of Independent Games. Actually, I'm trying to think back now. Actually, it might have been the Connecticut Festival of Independent Games. It all blurs together. I think it was. Man, it was a long time ago. Um, So yeah, now we're looking at almost a year and a half ago because that was that last summer. And so I got to meet one of the gentlemen from Dolphin Hat Games And Over Under Ostrich is a dexterity set collection game. So the idea is there are six different ostriches with wacky haircuts. And you're trying to collect all six of them. So they start face down on the table. And the idea is you are mimicking the look of an ostrich with your hand and your arm. This is where the dexterity piece comes into play. And so what happens is you have to basically bend your hand down at the wrist and make kind of a ostrich looking head with your hand and you're only using one hand to pull a card to the edge of the table and it's face down so you don't know what you have hit it from the underside to flip it up into the air and the idea is you must grab it from the air before hitting it hits the table as you can imagine that is not the easiest thing to accomplish it's hilarious it's very silly when you successfully grab it out of the air you can keep it obviously it's random on what card you're getting you don't know what it is and the idea is to get all six of those different haircuts, different um, ostriches. What they've done, um, I have to just give them a shout out on this. Each ostrich hair color has a different hair color, but they've also made each style visually distinct. So it is not color dependent. So if you have anybody with any kind of color blindness or even poor lighting where it can make 
telling the colors apart challenging. Um, the shape of the haircuts are distinctive, so the color becomes irrelevant. It's just a nice additional aesthetic. There's one other fun feature. There are hair clippers also as part of the cards. And if you get a hair clipper, you can place it on top of somebody else's acquired card and now they can no longer use that card and it just makes it harder for them to finish collecting their set. This is a frantic, ridiculous game. We actually, when we played it, the boys and I basically spent the first 15 minutes just practicing how to flip the cards up and grab them because it's a different kind of mechanic physically. So we actually had to practice first, but once we started getting it, it it flowed a lot nicer. Um, It was hilarious and crazy and we just had a blast. Awesome. Yeah, this is one of those silly games. You have really good luck with finding these simple games that are, you know, kind of goofy to play. Kids love it when you guys get to do that. Obviously, you know, your husband does too. So this is another one of those relatively inexpensive games because isn't this one, this one's under 20 bucks, right? It's like $10. It's really inexpensive. It's the same uh, company that did the Taco Cat Pizza I forget the name, but it's something like it's something taco very cat, goat cheese pizza, I think. Yes, that one. Um, yeah. So yeah. They're the same people. This, and th- that one's $10 too. So they're known for these little card games. It's just the size of a deck of cards. It's mm-hmm. it's adorable. It's cute. It's silly. It fits in small containers if when people need small containers to fill. Yeah, absolutely. So that is over under Ostrich from Dolphin Hat Games. It's all over the place. I think you have to go to their website right now. It's not available on Amazon. So you'd have to go to, so literally just Google over under Ostrich and you will find a link to be able to purchase it. And it's still readily available. I'm going to talk about a game that we recently found. This one is on Amazon and it is under $20. And I think there's a lot of game here. Our whole family has really been kind of clamoring to play at it since we opened the box. And that's a game called Catch the Moon. This is another dexterity based game that I, when I pitched it to my kids initially after opening it and reading it, et cetera, to me, this is kind of like animal upon animal kicked up because it is another kind of stacking game. The idea for Catch the Moon is is very trippy, but you are stacking ladders to try and go from a, a cloud and to try and reach the moon. So it is very dreamlike in its aesthetic. It comes with a base that is shaped like a cloud. And then you have all these ladders that are of various different shapes. So only three of them are like straight with uh, with the, the, uh, the crossbars. Yep. But some of them are, you know, kind of jagged in that the base is wider than the, the top. And, okay. you know, the all of the steps on the ladder are off, you know, that all the angles are off. And so the idea is you start with two straight ladders stuck in this base and they can be at weird angles, too. They the the holes in that cloud base are set up such that you could put the ladder in it and it will stand up and lean in a bunch of different degrees. So, and you, what you'll do is, and we're going to put pictures up on our Instagram today, like a whole bunch of them, because it's such a wild game. So if you want to know more about it, head to the Engage Family Gaming Instagram to see. But what you do is you roll a die when it's your turn, just like an animal upon animal. And it'll tell you that you need to place a ladder and it will either say that you, you may only touch one other ladder or you may uh, you must touch two or you need to be the highest point and that is the real challenge so what you what what will happen if you get the moon icon which says that you have to be the highest point what you have to do is find a way to make it so that some point on your ladder is now the highest point on the board and so and you can only touch a maximum of two ladders to do so so what that means is you can't just like lay your thing on top of whatever is there just because of the way that the ladders are built so you might stick the short end of your of a ladder which by the way you have to pick up randomly from the box you don't get to choose and you might just kind of stick it in and and rest the ladder so it's kind of standing straight up or balance it precariously inside you know some of the steps on another ladder it is very challenging my sons so we started playing this game 
And, you know, we opened it up and we set my two sons at learning this game while we went to the store a few days ago. Uh, well, actually, more than a few days ago at this point. We set them to work on learning this game so that when we got home, we could all play together. And they thought they had established this like unstoppable strategy because the two of them were playing. And then over time, while once we had four people kind of, you know, playing and trying different things, the game kind of evolved with our own experience uh, because you know, as you learn different ways to balance the ladders on top of each other, you learn new tactics, new strategies. This is there's a lot of game here and it encourages a lot more creative thought than other stacking games because of the weird situations you get put into because of the odd shapes of all of these ladders. And so, again, it's a game called Catch the Moon. The box is this beautiful yellow and it's under 20 bucks. I think anybody that likes Animal Upon Animal or other kind of stacking games needs to take a look at this. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's wild. And for how much it costs, again, I, I mean, I get caught up on that. For how much it costs, this is a, a lot of game. It's very pretty. This is not a new game. It came out a couple of years ago. And it's one that when it came out, it made a lot of noise. We saw a lot of pictures on Instagram and a lot of videos and things like that. And then I missed it or we never had it. You know, we just never brought it home. And yeah, never, so never hit our radar, right? The right, right. The right. Yeah, way. exactly. Right. But I saw it, you know, I saw it on sale. I was reminded of it, grabbed it. And I... Absolutely. It is a staple in our collection. I think this is one of those ones that might contend to even be, uh, from my perspective, I think this might even find its way onto the EFG Essentials list. No, mm. with you should bring uh, that so I can play it. We'll, we'll... I will absolutely bring that so you can take a look at it so you can make some decisions because this is one of those games that I think is really great. Do I think it's okay. going to replace Animal Upon Animal? No, no, because that game is a classic and it is so much more accessible because you're just stacking such simple things. But I think there may be room for another stacking game on that list because this is really great and it's it's really thinky. So, yeah, that's Catch the Moon. Uh, as I said, it is on Amazon right now and it is available, you know, it's under $20. And so if you like stacking games, this is definitely a game that is worth giving a look. Yeah. And I think it's telling that both of our games were dexterity games because first, I think that's the first time ever. I think it might be, but I think it's telling because those are, they're thinky, but they're not hard thinking like you're thinking about it but it's something really in the moment it's very light coming into it's not a game that takes a lot of setup or breakdown so listen we we need we got enough stuff in our life right now that exactly. has a lot of setup and takedown so i am more than happy to have very things simple. be a little yep. bit simpler absolutely so, speaking of games that have a lot of setup let's talk about tabletop <laughs> role-playing games shall we <laughs> The polar opposite of a dexterity game. The polar opposite of a dexterity game. So there's a bunch of news, actually, that is relevant to that. Because, you know, we talk about Dungeons and Dragons a lot. And obviously, that's the, you know, the big daddy of them all. But there are a lot of other tabletop role-playing games that are either out or are coming. So we talked about this last year that you know hasbro has entered some licenses where there's companies that are going to be making a transformers tabletop role-playing game and you know that's not out yet we don't have details trust me i will tell you those details when that game is announced but we had some other announcements within the last couple of weeks that are really exciting in the tabletop role-playing space and we have a couple of kickstarters that are up right now that we thought we would talk about so the first one, and these are more related than you think, is we got confirmation that Magpie Games is going to be making a tabletop role-playing game that should be releasing sometime in 2022. So this is not soon, but next year, based on Avatar The Last Airbender and Avatar Legend of Korra. So basically taking that world and taking the bending mechanics, which we know and love from those two beloved animated series and letting us make characters about them and role-playing in that world. There have been some house ruled supplements that were made by fans that were put out just basically using fifth edition rules, but it's exciting to finally get something created with the license 
where we're going to get like a real source book and real abilities and, and you know, and, and inter- you know, a unique everything for this. What do you think, Linda? I mean, you're a fan. I'm a huge fan. My kids are huge fans. My husband's a huge fan. I, I think this is something we're going to have to give a try. It's right in our wheelhouse. It's having it all, as you said, licensed and official. And, you know, we can just bring that as a whole package and, you know, delve into it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Agreed. I still remember when you guys came over to our house and we watched the series finale of Avatar The Last Airbender, like as adults. Right. You know, and these shows kind of have brought a lot of entertainment to a lot of families. And so giving a tabletop role playing game, there there are absolutely a lot of kids who connect more with the Avatar world than they do with a sword and sorcery fantasy one right like not everybody is all in on the lord of the rings so having another way to connect with that and another world that a lot of kids like and a lot of families enjoy these these cartoons together admittedly avatar the last airbender is very old at this point as was pointed out to me by my kids but these are it's venturing into classic territory but i think that's a, a rightful place Right. And so, they were cutting edge when they came out because they have more diversity than you typically would find at that time. 100%. So that is so that's really cool. Absolutely cool. looking forward to that one. You can look forward to hearing more news from us as those books are released. I will have them in my home the day they are available. You can count on that. And so we will be writing about them and talking about them on future podcasts. But another one that is coming much sooner, which is actually kind of tangentially related to Avatar The Last Airbender, is uh, Tales of Zadia, which is based on the Dragon Prince, which is currently on Netflix, being made by a lot of the same team that created Avatar The Last Airbender, has a tabletop role-playing game that is coming out this year. And in fact, right now, if you just... Google Tales of Zadia, Z-A-D-I-A, and we'll put a link in the description. You can sign up to be a beta tester where they're actually going to be sending out a playtest packet where you'll be able to play a quick adventure using their Tales of Zadia rule system. And I am very, and that's going to be very soon. So you can sign up for that right now where they'll be sending out those playtest packets. I love games that do play test packets like that. They did it for Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition and it, they took that feedback and it was, has created a very accessible and awesome game. I'm hoping the same thing happens here. Are you familiar with the dragon print stuff? Have you guys been watching oh, that? Yeah. We watched everything that was released for it. we really enjoyed it. That was something we sat as a family and watched. And when you said that they're releasing the tales of Zadia, I'm not going to lie. It was not as exciting as avatar, but not far behind. <laughs> Yeah, I think that we feel the same way. And this is a very rich sword and sorcery fantasy world. Whereas, you know, Avatar was very in, you know, very, you know, kind of martial arts movie inspired. This is as this feels like a standard sword and sorcery fantasy world with elves. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be dwarves out there somewhere, obviously dragons. And so this is pretty exciting to hear more about on their website. They actually have some explanation of the way that uh, the game is played. And it's a lot of, you know, using skills to upgrade dice to you know, use different abilities. I think it sounds fascinating. It's a system I have not played before. And so I, I'm excited to see kind of how that works mechanically, but really I'm just interested to read a source book that was done in concert with the people that are developing the show, because that means we're going to see some interesting lore. We're going to learn more about these different races of elves, etc. more about the magic system. And I think that's going to add some richness to watching the show because there's still more seasons of this show to come out. And I am super excited for that. So, so that's Avatar and Tales of Zadia are both getting tabletop role-playing games in the next year or two. And that's pretty fun. It should be really fun to play those. So we've got some Kickstarters that I wanted to talk about while we are here. And so I know we're going kind of fast, everybody, and that's okay. Um, we are, you know, there's just so much stuff to cover in this table in the tabletop role-playing game space. 
the two there are two kickstarters that are actually alive right now and they both have more than three weeks to go at this point as of the date we are recording so i thought i and they are also both very inexpensive so i thought i would talk about both of them to you know give everybody an opportunity to take a look at them the first is a dungeon creation or encounter creation supplement for fifth edition dungeons and dragons it's called the deck of dynamic dungeons say that three times fast i dare you no, it thanks. is essentially exactly <laughs> it is essentially a inexpensive deck of 100 cards where you can either deal them out and create a kind of dynamic and slowly building ad adventure all on its own. You kind of deal them out and create a dungeon. You flip over a card and that's that card has whatever is in the room is on that card, whether it be a trap or a character that you can role play with or monsters to fight. Or you can just literally, if you don't know what to do in a specific encounter and your players are encountering something, you can just deal out a card to yourself and, oh, they found a goblin encampment or they found this treasure. And it is 100 cards and it's meant to be a kind of supplement to help with creativity and to make it so you spend less time uh, digging through books and having to, you know, write out your adventures ahead of time. You can just have this card, these cards, and use them to help move things along. I would absolutely love a supplement like this because there are plenty of circumstances where I am running a boxed adventure like Curse of Strahd or something else that has been purchased on the DMs Guild or something like that, and I just need like some extra meat because maybe I'm in a dry spot. And the players just, I can tell they need some engagement because they're nodding off. People are looking at their phone or something like that. And I just need to throw in a little bit to, to mix up the formula. This gives me some tools. I think this is also a really good way to improvise games for younger kids because sometimes they don't want to think about political intrigue, trying to deal with crazy superpower genius level villains. Sometimes they just want to go from place to place and have fun stuff happen. And this is a great way to be able to run that without having to think entirely on your feet the entire time. So I think that's really neat. It is only $10 for the base, which is the, uh, so it's a hundred random encounter cards, but they have add-ons that are sponsored by other organizations. So for example, uh, take this.org is, which is a mental health charity sponsored by, you know, a good friend of the show, Dr. Rachel Coer. They have a, they have their own additional pack of cards that you can buy to add into that, which is an additional 16 new room cards designed by the Take This team. And that's kind of neat. The Roll20 team has their own 16 card pack. So you could buy more of those, you know, kind of packs to support either a business or a charity and add those in together to kind of have, you know, some different flavor to your decks. I think this is really neat. It is. Does sound really neat. Yeah. So right now it's the early bird, which is, um, okay. So it's not $10 anymore. <laughs> now it's, uh, let's see here. Uh, I managed to get into the, to the early bird right now. It is, um, 20 bucks, which is still not bad for a deck of cards that you can use pretty much infinitely to create your own adventures. And so, um, it's definitely worth a look. One thing that is worth mentioning, and this is, we're going to be talking about roll 20 later on. This is going to be available in the Roll20 marketplace shortly after it is finished publishing. So that means you'll be able to buy this as an add-on and you'll be able to use it in your Roll20 games, which is actually pretty awesome because, again, this is great for DMs that need to think on their feet. And man, let me tell you, sometimes you really have to do that for these Roll20 games where things can get wild. They can just get wild pretty fast. Especially that's with our group that's got some creative uh, solutions. Yeah, ha yeah, quote unquote creative solutions. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. At not all. at all. 
not at all. So, so that's the yeah. deck of dynamic dungeons. It's on yeah, Kickstarter yeah. right now. 27 days to go. They're 24% funded. So they need some love. They do need some love. I am not concerned. They will get there. This is a really neat thing. It's from Gem Hammer Games. It's a company that does make pretty cool stuff. So I definitely encourage people to take a look at it. Enough D&D, though. Let's talk about a campaign for a whole game that is very inexpensive and uh, seems like a whole lot of fun. Linda, what if I told you there's a Kickstarter for a game where you could play as a teenager from the 90s? And it's like I lived that. <laughs> it's like you lived that. And like, well. so you can play as a teenager from the 90s okay. and then re- and go on like a fun summer adventure, you know, in between middle school and high school or whatever. And then you could then play that same character. 30 years into the future or thereabouts and revisit that same place and kind of experience that and find out that adventure wasn't really over and that things are kind of maybe a little amiss or there's more adventures to be had. How how does that resonate with you? That sounds really fascinating. Not any kind of convention I've heard of before. So you're right. I'm fascinated by it too. Here's what's really cool. Um, it's, not, it's something that we can actually experience ourselves because there is a game called Two Summers, which is currently on Kickstarter right now. Its original goal was about 1200 bucks. So it was a thousand euros. So converted, it's like 1200 bucks. It's already 400% funded. And it is oh, wow. a, it's a zine quest game, which basically just means it is a simple standalone role-playing game. It's not going to get expansions or anything like that. And it is a diceless tabletop role-playing game, which means the conflict resolution is not resolved through dice. And I'll explain the conflict resolution in a moment because it's actually really fascinating and one that I think could having this book, you could probably adapt it to a lot of different stuff. Essentially, you play the same characters at two different time periods. You know, so you play as a teenager in the 90s, living an unforgettable adventure, and as an adult 30 years later, coming back to that same place and realizing the adventure is not over. You'll need uh, a GM and three to five players, which is standard fare for a tabletop role-playing game. And the campaign is actually pretty meaty. It's uh, between six and eight sessions of about three hours each. So this is a pretty long campaign, not Curse of Strahd or anything like that, but it is still a pretty lengthy campaign. This is meant to be a wholesome game experience. So this is not a horror game. This is not hard sci-fi. This is meant to be good-hearted nostalgia, light drama, and just a wholesome adventure which I think is not something that you see in tabletop role-playing games. A lot of games are meant to, you know, either make you think or make you do interesting, complex combat stuff. This is really just meant to go on one of those adventures. So it is a, this is a 92 page book that is going to have all the rules for, how to how to create characters and also how to resolve the you know different conflicts but also how to create an adventure that is you know how to kind of get it started with the you know the teenage adventure versus the adult adventure and how you tie those together and also really how you will kind of improvise through the story and so essentially the combat and I'm using this in air quotes because it's conflict resolution. The way that it works is characters are defined by four traits. So, uh, and and then you also have personal concerns that you try to balance through the adventure. And so the idea is everybody's got stuff they're good at. Everybody has stuff they're bad at. And they have like a mission, like a thing that they are trying to resolve personally. And when you are trying to perform an action what you as players collaboratively do. And this is something that is not really explored a lot in, you know, dice-based games. You and I, if you, if you decide that your character wants to do something that might be interesting, if you failed, we need to talk about whether or not you fail and what you need to do to succeed. And Mm -hmm. what's really neat about this game is that you can decide that even if you fail to have, to have enough assets or assistance to get something done, you can choose to succeed anyway. 
and just accept the fact that there are going to be some story complications down the road. And the game actually has rules that I, as the game master, would use to kind of weave that into the rest of the story. So, for example, you know, perhaps you needed to convince someone that you weren't lying and Mm -hmm. you just don't have enough you know, you don't have enough quote unquote assets to achieve that goal. You can say, you know what? I, 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 I'm fine. I'm, I want to convince this guy. I'd like to succeed at this, but maybe the complication is they'll find out that you told the truth later on or, or that you were telling a lie down the line or something like that. And it is a collaborative experience where the two of us as game master, or really the whole table could even help decide too, where we accept and, and collaborate on what is happening now. And then the game master can then take that and then build that and weave it into the rest of the story, which I think is a really interesting thing. This setup, the one of the key pieces of art on this Kickstarter campaign is the Super Nintendo. So like, well, it's not actually Super Nintendo, but like it's real close. And so it's legally distinct is what you're saying. Well, it looks more like the super, <laughs> it, it looks more because like, this is clearly being done in the in the UK and it looks right. more like a Super Famicom than the Super Nintendo. And those systems That's did funny. look a little different. And so but it's super fun. And there is a demo version that is available right now that includes like a one shot adventure, which is super cool. So this game is called it's called Two Summers and it has a whole example on how it works. It's available on itch.io, which is a game marketplace that does not only digital games, but also, you know, smaller tabletop role-playing games. You and I have some friends in the LARP community who they, his whole, one of our friends who does this, or one of my friends, you've met him probably twice, is uh, he does one-page role-playing games. Oh, neat. That are, you know, that he sells for like a dollar on this service. I've tried to convince my brother to do that forever. Um, But, you know, he's more interested in doing other stuff. Obviously, he's got a lot going on right now. But yeah, he's a dad. His plate's Yeah, he's a dad. He's a a stay-at-home dad. But the idea is it has a just a free download where it'll give you the basic rules and it shows you what a character sheet looks like and it it looks really cool like this is this seems like a really fun story what what's your read because i've talked a lot about this what is your read on this so this is so vastly different than anything else I've played as far as tabletop goes Mm -hmm. Um, everything i've played has really been like sword and sorcery so to have something that is completely different, not dice-based, more conflict resolution and that discussion and ramifications come up later. We've seen some of that with our LARP because in that it's a lot more conflict resolution and depending on what happens, you might see ramifications later in the game. It almost feels closer to that than the D&D that we've been doing. So it, it sounds really fascinating. Um, I'm just, I've looked up the Kickstarter while you're talking and it's, by the time this publishes, this, this podcast drops, the Kickstarter is going to be over. It's only got 21 hours to go as of right this moment. So well, I thought it was 20, I thought it was 21 days. Okay. So this is going to nope. be done. It's still be done, but sometimes these kind of things you can still get in after the Kickstarter closes. So I don't yeah. know if they were doing that. I would be surprised if this is not available for sale later so um it'll probably be over itch something like that so clearly i'm gonna have to share this up on the community today uh to let people know about it and so we're excited to see it it is super interesting game our other co-host amanda has also backed it and she and i talked about maybe you know running a game amongst our staff and kind of publishing it out to the community if that's something that you guys would be interested in please let us know we would love the encouragement to see if that's something we would want to do so wow here i am i thought it had 21 days to go i somehow i misread hours in days so this game is oh this is going to be a commercial product you're going to be able to buy and it should be relatively inexpensive. We'll be talking about that later. And, you know, hopefully this will be an eye-opening thing for me to be able to find more games like this so that we can talk about them and write about them, et cetera. Because I think this is super neat, especially as people who 30-ish years ago were teenagers. So true. It, you know? it's, it's us. That's yeah, exactly, exactly it. You know, I was high school in the, the 90s. Exactly. And then in college. So Exactly. So I think this is going to be uh, very 
for some of us, it might be a little triggering, but I think this is going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, my, <laughs> Depends my how that game great. goes. Yeah, exactly. But this is, I can absolutely imagine going on, uh, going on some fun adventures in places that I had fun adventures back then. So that is uh, Two Summers, a zine quest game. We're going to keep our eyes on this one. It will be, I am certain, something that we'll be able to have people buy on itch.io. But at the very least, it's an interesting game to talk about. All right. So that is the news that is around the horn. Now it's time to talk about like the main topic and that is Roll20. So when we we had a several games running before the Fire Nation attacked you and I, I mean, we were yes. playing in two different games mm-hmm. and with different groups of people, which you never thought in your life was going to be the thing. Nope. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, someone had told you even five years ago that you were going to be in juggling. Well, which character do I have that has that thing? Because you were in Did multiple. This happen in that one. Actually, five years ago, I could see it because I All had right. already been avid LARPer. I could have seen it five years ago. If you had told me, actually, let's say in the nineties, <laughs> yeah, <you never laughs> I would have never have seen this coming. Never. And um, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, it's just, it's so funny how, and actually goes back to that that uh, Kickstarter we just were talking about. Like you just don't know where life's going to take you. It's just exactly. so funny. So you, so we had several games going, and then obviously playing Dungeons and Dragons in person is not something that can be done under the current conditions. And we're coming up on a year of that. And even though things are, you know, quote unquote, you know, on the on the path towards getting better, we know that it, there's a lot of people that it, it's not getting better as quickly as we might like. And there are a lot of people that are restless that want to have some of that taste of normalcy. And I think we have as a group, we definitely all feel that. And we found a way to at least get one of our games fired up using roll 20 as a resource and we've talked about this before on the podcast but last night we were playing and it really hit both of us that this is something that we have learned a lot and we have trouble done a lot of troubleshooting on the fly and we thought it would be a good idea to really kind of encourage people to look into this tool log into it and use it to maybe get their campaigns going or start a new one, especially if they are want to play with family that are kind of spread far and wide. And even if you're not spread far and wide, because we're even next door neighbors are spread far and wide because we can't talk to each other in person right. because of the condition. I think it's probably best to start with what is Roll20. And so Roll20 is a web service that is roll20.net. And it is a web service where you can create an account and your friends can create accounts and you can connect and create a virtual play space for pen and paper role-playing games and technically even board games. But primarily it's used for pen and paper, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, cyberpunk kind of stuff. And it has internally a text chat, an audio chat and a video chat feature. Um, the dungeon master or the game master has the ability to upload maps and work on, you know, draw on those maps. The players can have their own tokens that they can move around on those maps, which is, it really does help facilitate that tabletop role-playing game experience without having to be in the same room. What, so you've been using it now for a couple of months with me. Linda. Yes. What do you think? I know you were very hesitant in the beginning. I so wasn't. Was I. It was another thing. I mean, to be frank, I mean, there's we've all had to kind of build the plane as we're flying with a lot of technology things for work, um, with the kids, with virtual learning. There's been a lot of having to learn and a lot of learning curve. And to learn one more thing was a little overwhelming at first. However, once we jumped in with two feet and committed to trying it, it it really is relatively intuitive. Yes, there was troubleshooting. Yes, there were, you know, things to figure out, but it really wasn't that bad. Um, the nice thing to say is I've spent zero mon- dollars on it. It's free to use with ads for the players. I don't know as a dungeon master if you do have to pay a fee to get those DM tools. Nope. Um, obviously, you can buy things. subscription, but... 
uh, yeah, it, the, the actual Roll20 service itself is free to use. I didn't spend any money to just use the service. The money that I have spent has been in the Roll20 marketplace because they have a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons and other game. Like they have other adventures that you can just buy and add into your games. And they have all the maps and the tokens and the text all right there. So for convenience sake, it is right there to the point where... I don't think I will ever run a game on there. You know, we, we were talking about this last night. Is that even playing traditional Dungeons and Dragons boxed adventures? I don't know that I would ever want to run one of those in person again. I might just figure out a different thing for when we're in person because man, are these adventures, you know, with the maps pre-made for us just so much better. It's, it does make a huge difference to the point we've actually talked about how can we get a projector and project it on the wall so we could have this map pre-drawn. And, and honestly, it's, there's layers to it and there's details they can put in these prefab maps that you can't just draw on a, a mat. It's, it's not the same. You can have these details and it's just, it adds these de- layers of depth to the game that are just very challenging to put in in person. Yeah, pretty much. And by the way, I did find out there's the projector that we were talking about was only a hundred bucks. Um, we need to chip in on that for when the Fire Nation starts attacking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's one for that's even less than that. So yeah, I think, I think we're probably going to end up have, end up doing that. How we got started you know, initially I was, so I, I've used it for other things, for other games that were not like the game that is really valuable to us. I used it for some throwaway stuff. I, you know, I played around with it and I can say that until I really sat down and ran a game with it, and I'm speaking as a game master, it is, I, I was really frustrated with it because I didn't think it supported my heavy improvisational style. And that's something that my players will know is that half the time I'm just making stuff up. And admittedly, that is uh, that that is part of one of the advantages of tabletop role playing games is that, you know, you're not playing a video game where everything has to be coded in advance. And, you know, players decide to do something dumb that the book is prepared for them to do dumb things. Well, of course you do, but everybody (laughs) does. And they, and you're just like, wow, you really shouldn't have done that. Maybe something should happen, or at least maybe I should make it look like something should happen. Uh, I didn't think the game really supported that. However, the more you use it, and this is why I encourage everybody that's thinking about playing a game, if you're like, wow, I don't know that this would be a great fit for us, I would encourage everybody to give it a try at least once, because from a game master's perspective, there are a number of resources that are available to kind of give you some of those um, you know, improvisational tools. Uh, I actually use, and this is a shout out to uh, Two Minute Tabletop, which is a website literally to the number two minute tabletop.com. And it is a young guy named Ross who I messaged him to try and get him on the podcast at one point, but he is super busy. And you can tell when you look at his website. What he does is he's just a very talented graphic designer and he just makes maps and they are, some of them are very specific that you could really only use for like one type of encounter. But then there are other ones that can just be used over and over and over again. And so he, you know, he does towns or he will do, uh, this is a bridge. It's cool. bridge over stream forest on one side, you know, do with this what you will. But then he also does different kinds of maps that are not necessarily like dudes on a map maps where you're moving around on a grid, but it's just a a nice bird's eye view uh, of a town on a plateau or, you know, a, a, a village in a wood. And so it's more about an atmosphere map as opposed to a battle map. And they're all, and they're all beautifully illustrated. The colors are wonderful. And he also has a bunch of uh, tile, like tokens that you can get where it's like, oh, I want trees here. So you can just have a tree token. And it is very awesome. He's got them for different kinds of fantasy. You know, he has like a Japanese themed character, sword and sorcery, fantasy, horror. It's all in there. There's a lot of stuff that's free. Um, and there's a lot of stuff you can just back him on patreon at a relatively low amount and that gives you access to more and then some of the stuff is just you buy it 
separately. I cannot recommend this guy enough. And uh, his, he also has advice articles too. So if you're looking to just kind of figure it out, head on in there and read some of his stuff. Very clear instructions. You know, you know me, I need clear instructions. We all do. And yeah, we all do at this point. We all do. And he does really awesome stuff. And, you know, he'll have, he has like a complete collection that you can roll in that's like $70, which is a lot. But for example, you know, he'll have, uh, he has a whole thing about a mine that is built into a, literally a, a hot spring, which is super cool. You can use it for all kinds of stuff. And that map is a dollar. So That's it's like, so oh, cool. you need it, pay, pay him a buck. And and it's yours. And it's yours. And you can just upload it right into Roll20, and it is right there. I think this is a super useful resource for people that are trying to run D&D games. Some of his games, some of those maps are detailed and cool enough that you can run an entire one-shot or run an entire evening game just using a few of his assets. And I have done that for some of my games. So... Um, I would encourage you, to, number one, just lean into it and use some of those free resources and just give it a shot. Roll20 also has its own marketplace where you can buy stuff like that too. Um, and again, you just got to, it's going to sound crazy, but you really just got to log in for a couple hours and just kick the machine and upload a bunch of stuff and figure it out. Um, and the nice thing I, is you can do all that for without spending money at the onset. Like that's the thing you can play with it and explore it and not commit to any money to do that. So if you know, you're, you're not having to drop, even if it's a couple dollars, if you don't know if you're going to like it, there's no risk. It's just investing some time. Exactly. So at its core, how you're going to get it, this set up. And this is just a quick high level overview. Do you and your friends want to play or you and some family members want to play? The first thing that you're going to want to do is everyone's going to want to go to roll20.net and create their own accounts. Then what you're going to want to do is you as the game master are going to create a campaign. This doesn't involve like choosing an adventure or really even choosing a game. What you're doing is creating a campaign. And then what you're going to do is send invites to all the people that you want to play. And so what I did, I created the game. I found, you know, I had all my friends' email addresses, obviously, and I sent them the invites and then they joined the game. And so within the Roll20 um, interface, it actually gives you the ability to schedule games and communicate with players. We don't do that. We communicate using a Facebook group chat, uh, but you could also use a text message group chat, depending on how you all communicate, your friends, your family, whatever group you're going to play with. And then we, the biggest tip we had, and this is what's important, Dungeons and Dragons is hard to play regularly unless you have either a set day of the week or a set day of the month that you are going to play, unless you have a big enough group where you have enough pushy people who will remind <laughs> each other to play. And I think this is probably true of game nights too, so this isn't necessarily just tabletop. But on any given day, one of the seven or eight of us will decide to be the annoying one to be like, so are we going to play next weekend? So when's the next time we're going to play? And that what maintains the conversation. <laughs> exactly. Because um, and so then we we've invited everybody. Everybody's in the campaign the way we do it is we actually only use roll 20 for the map portion and the dice portion because there is actually a dice rolling tool in the game that you can use or not i don't use it as a dungeon master i prefer my my dice to be blind and that is and i will fully admit this because i do occasionally fudge numbers and i'm stunned by that statement i'm stunned, by that. <laughs> I'm stunned. I do occasionally fudge numbers <laughs> and um because i am both a cruel dungeon master and a cupcake DM, as I refer to myself all the time. <laughs> I will kill you when I absolutely want to. And so the, but we have the dice, the, the dice rolling tools are there. It actually has the ability, if you really wanted to, you can upload your whole character sheet onto the game and it would just run everything in there if you want it. We don't use that. We have paper character sheets or people using roll, uh, people using D&D Beyond, which is another tool. So I'm very flexible on, on that. So we use it primarily for the maps 
everybody mutes the, you know, turns off the audio and video inside Roll20, which are available right clearly from the options menu. Um, you know, when you log in, you have a little gear that you can click. And what we use is we use uh, Google Meets, which is something all of us are all too familiar with because of the school situation. And so, so we use Google Meets. And, and primarily, that is just because we found it easier to have a separate window for people to troubleshoot all of the various audio and visual problems. We wanted to use something we were all familiar with rather than a different set of tools. And the other thing is it meant that we could have another window to minimize to get all our faces out of there without it covering up the map. Because some of us are playing on, you know, Chromebooks or small, you know, you're playing on a Surface tablet, right. which doesn't have a giant screen. Nope. So this way you don't have our faces in front of the map because you, you know, you can have the Roll20 and have it minimize or you can have Google Key, Google Meets and have that minimized with the whole map in the way. Right. So it added some of that the biggest troubleshooting problem we had, and you guys figured out the solution, was dealing with two people in the same room on two separate computers. How did you figure that out, Linda? So what we ended up doing, because we wanted our own screen, um, we actually tried doing two separate rooms to start, but we're on the same floor, and I could still hear. So what we started with, I'll say what we started with and then what we ended up with. We started with, I was on my headset, so the audio was in my ear, but I could still hear my husband on the in the other room. And it was, there's a delay and that got annoying. So what we ended up doing, we sit together, we each have our own laptop and only one computer has the microphone on and one, that same computer has the audio on. So we found that that seems to work the best. So we both have our camera on separately, but we'll pick one computer and the audio is completely off on that computer so we turn the volume completely off and we mute the microphone and only one computer is the audio uh, for the microphone and for listening. And that seems to work the best. And since it's in Google Meets, and I can say as a dungeon master, I wouldn't know since you guys are sitting, you know, not necessarily next to each other, but in the same room close enough. There's no perceived delay for me, you know, from your face moving to the sound coming out. It's completely indiscernible to me. That's and good. That we are works. sitting actually side by side. So that may oh, help. You do? The yeah, we are, we're physically next to each other. So right. that may well, help too with proximity. Yeah. I mean, sound moves pretty quick in your living room. Isn't that big. I mean, it's no. a nice living room, but it's not that big, <laughs> but it is. So that's one way that we've solved it. My wife and I, uh, we have to be in separate rooms. She and I can't obviously, cause I'm the dungeon master. She can't see my screen. Otherwise it would spoil a whole lot because <laughs> I have the entire map visible for me. So the, and she would be able to see my die rolls and that's no good. I don't want you guys to do that. So she actually sits in the other room. I am very rarely muted because I am the dungeon master, but she sits in our dining room, which is on the same floor. However, what she'll do is she, just like we were in a conference call, she is muted almost the whole time. All the time. Yeah. Unless Only she's, when she's actively. Yep. And that makes sense because the other piece is this game that we're talking about is all adults. You know, uh, we have talked about and are likely going to be implementing our game with the kids very soon. We just really wanted to make sure we had all the technical stuff sorted out before we had our very excitable children hop into this, too. She is being that I'm kind of working or at least that's kind of how I think of it, since I'm entertaining you know, a number of players. If the kids need something, they go to her. And so her being on mute gives her the freedom to talk to them, et cetera, without necessarily interfering with the game. Our other friends have figured out a whole solution very similar where they sit near each other and only one of them has a camera on and audio. And so they're, so our friend uh, JP, he is kind of off to the side and, you know, we just kind of hear him through her camera and it kind of works out because he spends most of his time as a bear where we wouldn't hear him talking anyway. So occasionally we'll just hear like a growl come from his side and it, it kind of works out because we, you know, we know what he's doing and he's moving his dude around on the map makes it, it it's, it, it's actually a more authentic experience because we wouldn't really communicate with him clearly anyway. Right. Except for so, the grunts and, and <laughs> bear except noises. Except for the grunts and the bear growl. <laughs> And the occasional flailing of the arms. And the occasional flailing of the arms, absolutely. 
So um, those are some of the the things we did to kind of try and facilitate the game. I can't say enough about going into Roll20 and using some of their marketplace tools, specifically if you're looking to play a boxed Dungeons & Dragons adventure, of which now there are many. You know, we talked about making some content where we talked about the different Dungeons & Dragons adventures and like what they were about just to kind of give people like a menu. And at this point, uh, I talked about that with my wife and we realized that there are so many adventures that it's hard to like... There's just so many of them that that piece of content is not just throwaway content that I could make very easily. I think they're still worthwhile and we probably will at some point soon, but there's just a lot. And so the fact that you can go into Roll20 and you can buy these pre-designed all the maps, all the tokens to the point where the tokens for invisible characters or ghosts, for example, are there, but they are hidden so that you can just kind of literally right click them and make them appear like you guys have been walk have walked into a room and I get to like right click on these things and they show up and surprise you. You guys have uh, I have surprised you more than a few times with uh, things showing up, which wouldn't necessarily happen if I'm digging through my box of minifigs while we're sitting around the table. So it has added some of that atmosphere. Um. So here we go. So we talked about how to set it up. We talked about some of our, you know, some of our troubleshooting with how we get the video chat portion going. And again, like the, the dungeon master is the one that really has to learn. And so whoever is listening to this, if you're the dungeon master or the game master, I would encourage you to spend some time, look, you know, looking and and just kicking it around. I would also, um, there's YouTube videos and things like that. And I would encourage you to spend some time looking at it. This is a tool that is only getting more popular. We know that this service has been doing very well with the Fire Nation attacking. And I think that it is only going to get better now that they, you know, are able to invest in these tools. So I would encourage everybody to give it a look because this may be a great way to start a new game that maybe you weren't ready to run and you know more tabletop role playing better for everybody i think yeah it's it really does help support players and it sounds like it supports the dm or the gm like really well yeah absolutely i'm i'm looking in i'm i'm actually in it right now so when you sign in it gives you all the games that you are you know that you're in but right at the top it gives you a marketplace. So just to give you an idea of the stuff that you can get and what is in there, there are a bunch of not Dungeons and Dragons games, and but there are resources that you can use that help support games. For example, let's say you were running a tournament in your game for some reason. They have tournament brackets that you can have oh, there and have this whole map that's a tournament bracket. Wizards of the Coast and Paizo, which is the company that does Pathfinder, but also Starfinder, which is another one that we have uh, thought, that I have thought about messing around with. Starfinder being the space the space one, but it has all sorts of stuff in here. And to get really into this, Tasha's Guide to Everything is in this book, which is available, which is the most recent source book, which just was um, like a month or so ago. And, you know, they have the kit for Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden, which is the most recent adventure to have come out. So these are all in there. And so I would encourage everybody to give it a look and give it a try. Um, they do have Tyranny of Dragons, by the way, which is relevant for our interests. That is. Um, Linda. So ev- anyway, everybody, that's Roll20. You know, some of our quick hits and tip, uh, quick hits and tips. We will probably talk about this more, you know, maybe get some other dungeon masters who use this service to come on. I don't know if Rob, I think Rob Collegian has done this from Pawn's perspective. We'll be able to talk more. Um, we just wanted to talk just kind of hot, very high level, how you set it up. And we will likely have some written content about this as well, because I think this is an amazing tool. Um, let us know what kind of tabletop role-playing content you want on engagefamilygaming.com. So I know we have talked about 
and planned on doing specific tabletop content. And I love it to be guided by you guys. So Linda, thank you. I know I did a lot of talking today, but you helped me. I'm the dungeon master. So it just made sense. True. (laughs) True. You definitely have delved way deeper than I have. I mean, I'm sort of just following along, moving the map, rolling the dice, doing stupid things. Uh, you're not you're, you're not usually the stupid one. That's um, true. I so just help. yeah, yeah. You you tend to be uh, <laughs> one of the you tend to be one of the smart people. So uh, I am definitely not one of those. So everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this piece. You know, talking about you know kind of how to get started on roll twenty. We'll have more detailed stuff later on if people would like it. We did it, Linda. We made Yay. it through episode two hundred and fifty one. Can't believe it. We haven't been canceled yet. We're going to keep going. Next week is video game week. And man, there's so much stuff to talk about. So everybody, I hope you have a great week. We will be back next time. And until then, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.